Welcome to Busted Biscuits. I'm Jen Stanley. And I'm Jill Super. And today we are talking about flaky layers, parent and child relationships. Mm-hmm. So exciting. Yes. So we've got some good info that we want to share with you. But before we do that, we want to give a couple announcements. One is that uh, we've got a couple spots open for our biscuit banter, the next round of that, in Homer City, PA. It's on April 14th, 21st, and 28th. And so we would love to get those spots filled, and we, we need to get T-shirts ordered. So if you're interested in attending that in Homer City, we would love to have you sign up. You can go to um, bustedbiscuits.us, and that's where you'd sign up for that. And so we'd love to have you attend. And then we have something new and exciting, the next little a pastry that has to do with busted biscuits. <laughs> what what is it, Jill? What do we have? Mini muffins. Mini muffins. <laughs> so we're gonna start kind of an arm of busted biscuits. Um, it's gonna be a program that's geared towards preteens, so girls that need to know how to be good friends. And so coming in July, we're gonna offer some programming um, on how to be a good friend. And so we're we're just in the very beginning of of this. We've been talking about it for a little bit and decided to take a leap on it. And so um, stay tuned for more information about that. So if you're a mother of a daughter or you know someone, um, maybe your grandmother for that has an, someone that age that could benefit, uh, pay attention to to our podcast and and our website, and we'll send some newsletter information out. Uh, we want to get that going, and, and we'll be talking more about that in the future. But we just kind of wanted to, to give you some sprinkles <laughs> so for our mini muffins. Yes. Why are you excited about that, Jill? Why do you want to do mini muffins? I don't know. It's super near and dear to my heart. I think it's just because I've, I've raised um, I raised four girls, and so kind of watched how that happened in, in different personalities and all of the things, right, all of the things we're going to kind of touch on today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just speaks to me. I really, really think that... Uh, building a good foundation when they're younger is going to help them be stronger, uh, you know, relationally as they grow older. And so I I feel like it's just really important work that we're supposed to be doing. So it's good. I'm excited. It's going to be a good thing. So today we're talking about parent-child relationships. And so Jill and I kind of divided up the topic a little bit. And so because there's a (laughs) lot of information, which seems to kind of be the thing. Like, we'll go, this is the topic we want to talk about. And then we get into it. We're like, there's a lot of information here. (laughs) Like we, this is more like a series of like multiple, you know, (laughs) sessions. And so every time it just feels like we're skimming the surface a little bit. Yes. But uh, we did a little talking beforehand too. When we, when we said that, like, it feels like we could go so much deeper on like individual topics within what we're going to talk about. And so those may become, uh, you know, episodes later on down the the road in the future. So. Yeah. So how we divided it up is that I focused on uh, younger kids and teenagers, and then Jill took the reins on parent, like um, adult children, yes. parenting adult children. And so um, we got a resource for that. So we'll we'll mention that later on. But um, so that's we're going to kind of go through an age order there. And so, <laughs> then I, so I'll be talking yeah. a lot in the beginning, and then Jill's going to be talking <laughs> a lot towards the end. And so I just wanted you to know, like, that's why things are looking the way that they're looking. Um, so did you have a favorite time when you were parenting your kids? Um, looking back, yeah, I would say when they were really little. Did you know it at the time it was your favorite? No, not at all. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) As a grandparent, I can identify that so easily. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this stage. Uh Because I don't have to be responsible for it. But it's also, it's also one of the cutest times every day there's something new. Mm -hmm. My daughter calls me at least once a week like, this happened today. Mm -hmm. This happened today. I was so excited. So yeah, it's it's a fun time. Well, I uh, when I was my girls were little, I kept a notebook uh, on each of them, and so um, and it goes like normal. So with Carly, there's a lot of information, <laughs> and then with Claire, like it's really as my youngest is like there's a lot of spaces in there because I was busy and didn't fill it out near the same amount. Um, but like keeping track of their stories, and so I was 
I told you I wanted to share one of my favorite stories about Coco. <laughs> and I share this a lot, like in our freedom class. So if you've ever been a part of that at our summit church, you've probably heard me say this, but it's one of my favorites. So Coco would have been about three years old, maybe four. And she was in gymnastics. And so um, we, we traveled like 30 minutes for gymnastics. And this is when we lived in Kansas. And so Todd and I would take turns for who had gymnastics, who took the girls. So this was my week. And so she had a brand new teacher that week, and I, I noticed that it was a new teacher. And so um, I asked, when Coco was done with class, I asked her, I was like, Coco, um, you know, do you have a new teacher? She's like, yeah. I was like, does your teacher have a baby in her belly? And she's like, I don't know. I was like, did she say anything about having a baby in her belly? I don't know. Okay. And so then we leave, go to <laughs> go home. And so the next week, like, it was Todd's turn to take the girls to gymnastics. And so how it was set up was, like, the gym was down below, and there was, like, this balcony, and the parents would stand on the balcony and, like, watch the classes that took place. And so um, so Todd's there in the balcony. Coco's in her class. She comes to the side. She yells, Daddy, my teacher's not pregnant. It's just her belly. <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and, like, he tried to ignore her. And she goes, Daddy, my teacher's not pregnant. It's just her belly. Third time, <laughs> Daddy, my teacher's not pregnant. It's just her belly. And Todd goes, okay, Coco, thank you. Go back to class. <laughs> so Todd is humiliated. <laughs> He's like, I look at this creepy man that wants to know if this this teacher is pregnant, right? <laughs> and, so, and so then he tells me this story, and I was like, uh, oops, that's my fault. <laughs> like I had asked the question. I thought nothing else about asking the question when I did it. And so then she was just getting us the information that she thought we needed. <laughs> Bless her heart. I know. It's so funny. It's my favorite Coco story. Like I have a lot. Coco had, has a lot of stories. Like I probably have a lot on all of them actually. They each had their own like funny stages. But anyway, so uh, I was communicating to my kid, but I don't know that it went so well. <laughs> that doesn't have a whole lot to do with what we're talking about. I just wanted to tell my funny story on my kid. Okay, so I do want to talk about younger kids. And so um, I, I think one thing to keep in mind is that whenever, like, you're a new parent, like, it's all new. And it's mm -hmm. okay not to know everything, yep. right? And so, like, I make, I've made the joke before, too, that I was a perfect parent until I had children. Like, <laughs> I thought that I knew what it was going to be like, you know. Facts, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, I thought, my kid's never going to scream in Walmart. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, my kid's never going to do this or do that. And then, oh, guess what? My kid just did that, yeah. you know. Uh, I can't even tell you how many times that I would uh, left a cart of groceries in Walmart and just left with my children, like with them screaming, no, mommy, no. And it's like, we're leaving, you know. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm always afraid people are going to think I'm kidnapping these children. But it's like, they're just naughty. They've just been naughty. We're leaving. <laughs> you know? And so, so you know, it just, you, you got to do what you got to do in those moments. And so, um, yeah, I definitely thought I knew what I was doing until it was time to actually do it. And I was like, maybe I don't know everything. Yeah. So, um, but it's fun to communicate with kids when they're little. It is. So I, I, I made some notes that I want to share about. Um, I think it's important that when you're dealing with your kids that you be directive when, with your communication. Like, so tell them what you are wanting from them, not what you don't. So like an example of that would be um, if your kid's jumping on the couch, like don't say stop jumping on the couch. Instead, you say, I need you to set your bottom on the couch and put your feet towards the floor. Like, give them what you're expecting of them, not what you need them to stop doing. Now, you can tell them what to stop, but then you need to also tell them what you're expecting so that they're not just constantly being told what not to do and expected to point. understand it. Like, you should yeah. say, this is what I'm needing from you. So communicate that. Okay. I think you need to encourage your kid to try new things when they're little. Like, sometimes oh, yeah. they're scared to do that. You know, like, encourage them to ride the roller coaster. Encourage them to go down the big slide. You know, encourage them... 
um, I don't know, to try new food. One of the things that we did at our family, we called a no thank you bite. So we made everybody <laughs> had, you, if you if you don't, they don't want to eat it, like you can take a bite. And if you don't like it, you can say no thank you. And I won't make you eat the rest of it, but you have to take a no thank you bite. <laughs> and so that, you know, that worked well. And so it's kind of a compromise. Like, look, I'm not going to make you eat it if you don't like it, but I need you to at least try it. And so sometimes there were some no thank yous and sometimes they would eat it anyway. So it just kind of depended, but we like really wanted them to try new things and to have new experiences. Um, also, you, this is one that you brought up was about that play is the best way to interact. Mm, yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, because it, it sets the like a positive connotation in the brain. Like right, it, it's a positive memory of some sort. And so the more that you play and the more that you interact with your children in a fun way, mm-hmm. um, the more they value that relationship and cherish that relationship because there are m- good memories, even when you have to do some of the bad, you know, the harder parenting things like mm-hmm. saying, no, I'm sorry, you're grounded now because that wasn't what we want to do. But, you know, we're still going to have family game night where you're going to sit and play games with us. That'll be your your free free night yeah. ungrounded. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does. It it it, it sets good. It, it creates good memories, positive memories um, to kind of balance out some of those mm-hmm. other things. And I will say in the book that we're going to talk about a little bit later as uh, with adult children, they say the same thing. Right. Like mm-hmm. e- even if you don't do even if you have to like, you know, have some some tough discussions with them. Mm-hmm. make sure you're spending the quality time with them like good good solid memory time if, if it's vacations if it's trips if it's g- family game night sunday dinners whatever the case mm-hmm. may be so well, kind of curious through yeah i also think that part of why pro- play is important is because it teaches social skills and good communication yeah you're like you're teaching them some rules of a game you're you know, like you're saying this is how you do things this is this is what's allowed this is what isn't allowed and so it's kind of a fun way to engage in those things and so playing like board games or even like imaginative play yeah. can you know can be very beneficial for making a connection with your child like so that. finding a way to play i tell you i'm not very good at that really oh man no i'm not uh, if i could just do that all day every day for real for real yeah not me like which is terrible like i should be better i was not good at playing games i wasn't i could go outside i wasn't maybe, good at it because i felt overwhelmed yeah i mean like i'm gonna be honest about that i didn't because i felt overwhelmed and i had all these other things to do i didn't take the time to sit Mm-hmm. You know, I, all of a sudden Martha is in my head. And I'm like, oh, Martha. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't take the time to sit and, and do that with my kids. I really wish I would have. Mm-hmm. I, I know for me going forward with my kids and my grandkids that that will that will be my role. That'll be important mind. to do that. Yeah, that's good. I'm just not good at playing games. Now, here's the thing. If I start a game, like if someone can talk me into doing it, I'm glad I played. Right. But mm-hmm. like the, the thought of like having to play a game, I'm like, mm, I don't want to do that. Really? Yeah. I don't know what my deal is, but yeah, it's never been. But once I get started, I'm glad I did. Okay. But it's just that like, I don't know what the over the hump is. Maybe I'll need therapy to figure out why that is. But I don't, I don't like it. Well, I'll figure it out. Um, and then, go ahead. Did you have an idea? <laughs> I was going to say, you are very like, you just kind of, you're very organized. And you just go from one thing to the next. And you have so much crammed into your day. You probably just don't uh, have maybe. the time yet. At some point, it might hit you. You'd be like, oh, I could sit down now and enjoy do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do like to do a puzzle. None of the <laughs> my kids do not want to do puzzles with me. They're like boring. Maybe, <laughs> but it's very good at problem solving. And I like I like to problem solve and manage my brain. So, so if puzzles is something great, I can do that. Uh, I also think we should be teaching our kids to be empathetic. Mm, yeah. How have you done that? How have you taught your kids to be empathetic? Um, I don't really know that I've actually had to teach them. Okay. Um, I think it was more modeling for them, like. You know, in situations when things have come up or with friends, uh, you know, in play, I mean, I have five kids, so obviously it was real easy to say, do you see that she's hurt? Like, 
yeah you know here's the situation we don't want to do this again so yeah. i mean i think that's important that you point out another child's emotions like like what you remember you just hit their little girl you hit that little boy and he's crying so when you hit him you made him sad yeah. and so like or to say like how do you feel when someone hits you? You don't like that. And so then you don't need to be hitting other people because then you're making them feel yucky. And so like pointing out and making that connection for them that like your behavior has, has an impact. I mean, maybe it's consequences, but your ba- what you choose to do and how you conduct yourself impacts other people. And so having conversations about that, I think is really important. Yeah. And I'll say, I don't necessarily know. I always got that right. Like I was always quick to say, you know, she's crying. This is, this is not an okay thing to do. It may not have been given as, a directive or whatever in the best way right like it may not have been um shared in the best way i really like your example a lot better like we need to uh, you know observe what the situation is and pay attention to what is happening and, and look at the consequence or the the result of what's been done mm-hmm. i really like that idea also help them to identify their own emotions mm-hmm. like you know when they're crying oh do you feel sad are you angry you know are you are you mad um do you are you, did you get your feelings hurt? Like helping them to identify the feelings that they're having, like giving them words for that, I think is really important. And so, um, because I think oftentimes, like anger is a very socially acceptable emotion to express. And so, like I've seen people say they're mad when, like, if you really spent time to like um, peel their onion, like they're really scared, right? Or they're really they're sad about something. Um, and so, like giving them the words to differentiate those emotions, I think is really helpful. And like helping them to, Oh, I can see that you're crying. Are you sad? You know, or, um, you're stomping your feet. Are you angry? Um, you like giving them yeah, those words. Yeah. Oh, I can tell that you're tired. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Based on your acting like this, this is how you act when you're tired. So I can tell that you're tired. And so giving them the words for those feelings that they're having. Gotcha. Do they make a feeling wheel, feelings wheel for kids? Probably. <laughs> Listen, my payday is on Friday. My husband's payday is on Friday. My payday is every day. His payday is on Friday. I'm planning to get me a feelings wheel. So next time we talk on this thing, I will have my feelings wheel at least ordered if okay. I haven't received it yet. I'm getting it because um, I want to have it. Um, and so also, you got to teach your values to them. Mm, so like yeah. if you value going to church, you need to show them by your choices. Like so go to church too. If you value volunteering, they need to be volunteering. Um, if you value picking up trash, then take them with you to pick up trash. Like include them in your activities so that they understand what you value. And if it's important to you, it should be important to them. How do I get my kids to value a clean house like I do? Well, good luck. Your children are grown. <laughs> we can't do, we can't help them. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, no, I mean, I mean, that is like part of it, right? Responsible living and things like that. Those are mm-hmm. things that we are trying to teach. So is that considered part of like the value structure? And how I you think so. Okay. Well, so here's something interesting. So one of Claire's friends, Elena Walker, her mom, Jess Walker, has said to them, listen, you live here too, so you have some obligation to clean. And so then Elena was talking to Claire one time and said, well, you live there too. You should have to do some cleaning. And I'm like, <laughs> listen to that. You know, so what Jess has said to your own kid has impacted my own, my kid, right? Yeah. So she's saying like, hey, you don't give any pushback. Like you live here too, so you have some responsibility to be here. I love that. And so like in communicating expectations, I think it's a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also having a family mantra is important. So this isn't a Stanley original. We stole this, but um, – but we definitely used it when they were little. But we would tell our children that Stanleys are kind, encouraging, and we look for lonely people. Aww. And so, like, we would tell them that before they got out of, sc- out of the car at school. Listen, what are Stanleys? They're kind, encouraging, and look for lonely people. So go do that today. Go be kind and encouraging and find someone that's lonely and reach out to them. I and love so, that. so, um, 
I'm hope like I think my children, if they were to listen to this, they would remember that we haven't talked about that recently, and I'm like, we probably should, right? Like, remember <laughs> when? That's still true. We still want you to do those things. You Ari's know? little. Let's get that. That's right. Let's, Ari needs to be told that. That's right. She needs to get as a two year old. Let's let's start now. They gotta be good about that. But like, if there's things that are important to you as a family, or that you want to instill, like have a mantra. Like have like this is what we do. This is how we do things. And so, um, it, it kind of helps just get like formulate. Real, real in just a few words you know what it is that you're valuing and what's important I like that mm-hmm. I think open-ended questions is really important when you're in communicating with your kids particularly about school even you know if, if they can talk to you at all like encourage them to to answer your questions like um like avoid questions like how was your day good did you <laughs> learn anything no you know like <laughs> ask questions that kind of have a, a compelling answer like um what was something that funny that happened today um or what was the best part of lunch? Uh, what did you play outside? Who did you play with? Which class was your favorite today? You know, like mm-hmm. kind of switch it up so that they ha- kind of have to creatively think about their answers and they don't just get in the car and go, fine, good, I don't know, <laughs> nothing. You know, you know, like engage them and try to get, yes. you know, different answers from them about what their days have been like. I like that. Did you ever do that with your kids that you remember? I did. Uh, I really with my youngest especially like usually the girls just would come home and they would be chatty and talk oh, all true. about it so it wasn't as hard with my my last two it was how was your day it was the same thing how was your day good yeah fine <laughs> fine nothing yeah did you learn anything no boys are especially good at that mm, yeah they don't want they don't want to talk about those things no but continuing to ask I think yeah. is really important it is because they they came to expect it and they knew like they 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 came to me when they got home right mm-hmm. there, there came a point where they came to me when I got they got home and I'd ask the questions and then they'd go about the rest of yeah. the, the evening but they made it a point to come and have that conversation which I thought was really nice right, right? like they Maybe it was just routine or habit, but it also was a time for us to connect. So if they did have something to share, they were actually sharing it during that time. Right. Well, I think that that's important. But then also, like, you need to listen when they tell mm-hmm. you stuff, even <laughs> if it's dumb. And you're like, right, why are we talking about this? You know? but, but, but be interested and express interest as a parent that you're listening to what they're sharing with you. Because if you listen, I said this in another podcast, another episode, but if you listen to the dumb stuff, then they'll come and tell you the important stuff. Exactly. And so, like, take the time to hear. And that is, I mean, that's another one of those things that carries into the years, right? Mm-hmm. So it is asking open-ended questions and listening instead of talking, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we'll talk about when we get to the older age, too. But it, it all applies. It continues and carries forward. Yes. So, so then uh, kind of to transition a smidge, like our goal as a parent is to create good grown-ups. We want to do what we can to make our kids to be good grown-ups. Like that needs to be our goal. And so when you're thinking about how to deal with your kids, like, okay, so what would make them be a good grown-up? Like, I, I definitely use that as my guide sometimes. Okay, like, listen, my, my job is to make you a good grown-up, which means you're going to have to do the dishes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, you need to take care of these things. And so you're going to have to have these hard conversations. So, like, in part of my research, I was looking up different types of parents. And so, like, these are kind of the buzzwords for the, for the time right now. But there's three different types. Do you know what they are? I do because I cheated. Yeah, tell me. So you say them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're going to make me pull out my paper. Oh, my word. Okay, fine. Uh, the lawnmower one, I know for sure. Oh, Helicopter, okay. yes. lawnmower, and snowplow. Snowplow. <laughs> yeah, three different types of parents, okay? And so, like, the, why this matters? Because, like, we tried to talk through, like, is this really communication or is this really about parenting? And so, like, we really are seeing how these things impact. So we want to talk about this style of parenting and how that impacts um, your communication with your teenagers right. and what you're dealing with later on. So. It does relate. So helicopter parents, they keep a close eye on everything their child does. 
like they might look over their, their homework assignment to make sure everything's right. Like they're just kind of hovering. They're there checking up on everything. Mm-hmm. Then you get a lawnmower parent, which mows over any, ch- any problem that a child might be facing. Like you complete the homework for your kid because you want to get it right. Okay. <laughs> or you could be a snowplow parent, which is you remove any obstacle. So this would be like to call the school and demand to know why their child's been assigned homework when the teacher should know they have a busy school schedule or sports <laughs> schedule. Right? <laughs> it's like that happens. I was just going to say, does that happen? Oh, my word. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I have teacher friends. It definitely happens. <laughs> so, signs that you are a lawnmower parent. Number one, you don't allow your child to handle conflict. What does that look like? <laughs> why are you laughing? I, I have done that. <laughs> really? Tell me why. Well, I mean, some of it touches on, I think, what you're going to get into later, but it's uh, my daughter has anxiety, which. Now that I, you know, we've done the research and I've read some of these things makes me realize there's a lot of things that, that could have been different in our life to make that anxiety go away. I could have, you know, pushed her forward a little more and instead I, I took care of things for her so that she wouldn't, um, so that she wouldn't have anxiety over it. Yeah. And, and I think in today's world that we do a lot of that, right? Mm -hmm. I can't do this. Oh my gosh, I'm having a panic attack. Okay. I can't do this when in reality, you know, we need we need to kind of push them forward a little bit and say, I'm sorry, I'll help you. I'll be right here next to you. I'll do whatever I need to, but you have to do it yourself. Right. Well, and I think that conflict um, is important to know how to deal with, mm-hmm. right? Because what's what's the reality that you ever, if you, like, live a productive <laughs> life, that you are going to never have conflict with anybody? Zero. Right. <laughs> so, like, you're going to end up having a conflict with the coworkers, with yeah. your boss, with your spouse, with friends. with the person behind the counter at McDonald's, like there's, there can be conflict. And so like you have to learn that skill set. So if your goal is to make a good grownup, you've got to give your kid the skills to manage conflict. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that I don't get involved when my kids have conflict, but I do everything I can to push them to handle it themselves. Like I coach them, I give them the words. Um, I don't, I'm not one that goes and, and talks on their behalf. I'm like, well, if this is what happened, this is how you need to do it. Now there's been some extreme cases that I've had to do that. But for the most part, I do everything I can to push him to do it. Now, I will say this. There was a time not long ago that um, one of my daughters was having some difficulty getting along with her friend. And uh, they had been friends before, and it wasn't going well. And so then I talked to the mom. It's like, all right, we're going to have a meeting. So then me, <laughs> me and my daughter, we march over to her house and, and meet with her and her daughter. So it's two moms and two daughters, and we're talking through it. And it wasn't the mom and I, like, having it out. We were coaching our daughters on how what they needed to say. And, like, it was very parental saying, hey, you, you need to be considerate of your friend. And, like, you guys have had a, a strong relationship. Why are you willing to let this go? Like, you need to talk through that. And so, like, and, and like I definitely did not enter that situation suggesting that my child had done no wrong. Mm-hmm. I think we do that. Like, we'll yeah. get to that for sure. But it's, like, sometimes parents go, well, my kid didn't do it. Um, I tend to think when someone says there's a problem, like, all right, what did my kid do? Like, I'm not going to think that they didn't do it. Because, I I mean, you know, relationships too much. (laughs) Rarely is it one-sided. Sometimes it is, but, like, you need to get all the facts, right? We're back to seek to understand that we Mm -hmm. talked about before. So seeking to understand, find out what's going on. And so I I don't go into those situations thinking my child hasn't done something wrong. Like, I want to find out what's going on and and then help them to handle it. But ultimately, like, I wanted to model for this, for my daughter, this is how you handle these situations. So you need to go to the person that you're struggling with and have a conversation and talk it through. So next time, hopefully, she won't need me or the other person's mom to be there. <laughs> they can manage it on their own, right? Ideally. So, yeah. So don't. So if you're a lawnmower parent, if you don't allow your children to handle conflict, number two, you complete your child's homework. Like you do it for them because you don't want them to mess up. Have you done that? <laughs> Jill, are you a lawnmower parent? I am not. Oh, no. I'm a little bit of all the parents. <laughs> 
depends on the child. I did. <laughs> okay. You did your child's homework for them? <laughs> I'm telling a teacher. Say without incriminating myself. <laughs> okay. You cannot confirm or deny that you may have done that. cannot confirm or deny. So, so how about this? In generic terms, what would motivate a parent to do the homework for their child? Graduation. Okay. Because you want them to finish. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so they're struggling to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number three. Lawnmower parents, you could be one if you drop off homework when your child forgets it at home or otherwise pick up the slack. I'm guilty of this. I've done that. Oh my gosh, I'm guilty of this one. My mom did that for me too. Like you know, yeah. and so the article talked about that like a one time deal or every now and then isn't a big deal, but if it's like consistent, if it's regular that your kids not remembering their stuff and like you're like solving their problem for them all the time, like that's kind of a problem because the what what happens then is they don't learn to rely on themselves or know how to figure it out on their own, but they expect your parent or as a parent that you'll be there to bail them out all the time. Yeah. And well, and I think too, like organization, like organization flops in my head, right? Like if we can't be responsible for the things that we have to be responsible for, how are you going to get a job? How are you going to maintain a job? How are you going to, you know, deal mm -hmm. in the real world when you get there? This is just school, but it's the framework for everything that comes after. Right. So, like, I've kind of shifted it up a little bit. Like, if I can make it, if I can g take care of that for them, then I will. Like, if, if it's going to be really disruptive to my own schedule, like, if I'm going to have to cancel a client to take homework, I'm not doing that. I'm like, sorry, you have to deal with the consequences of that. You know, uh, but if I'm just sitting at home and yeah. they need something, you know, then then I can go do that. You know, so I kind of try to balance that out. Yeah. So, um, Number four. You could be a lawnmower parent if you remove your child from hard activities. What do you think about that? Okay, Bueller. Okay, I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> Why you think? Oh, I don't like dead I'm air. I'm a child like that does not even step into hard activities. <laughs> okay. <laughs> won't even go into it. So, um, I don't know. I didn't have, I mean, other than that, I don't have a lot of experience with that one. Okay. I have to say. What about you? Well, I guess I'm thinking about, for me growing up, it was always like if you're playing a sport and like you don't like it, you don't get to quit mid-season. Oh, yeah, I did that with my kids. You let them quit? No, I didn't let them oh, quit. Okay. I made them stick it out. Okay. Yeah, so you, it's like... You picked it, you stick with it. Yes, like your team's <laughs> counting on you. Like, if you don't want to sign back up for next year, that's fine. Bye. But you're, you're here till the end of this commitment, and then yes. you're done. Yes. And so, um, so I think, you know, when things get hard, we end up letting our kids quit too soon. Mm. And then they never learn how to push through something hard. Yeah. And so when it gets hard, it's like, oh, this is too hard. I don't want to do it. And like, all right, we'll quit. Well, that's, that doesn't teach them how to persevere. No. And okay. so it, it's okay to, like, just decide this isn't your interest, but you need to see the commitment through to the end. Like, there are clear start and stop times for things. And so then you can get out when it's time to do that. Oh, okay, number five. You might be a lawnmower parent if you give your child everything they want. And so this so much isn't, like, um, this, this, the article said it's not about, like, keeping up with the Joneses, but it's more about, like, you see that um, another kid got a new bike, and because you want your kid to be liked, you get your kid a new bike, too. So it's not really necessarily that your kid's asking for it, but it's just like you see that someone else has it, and so you don't want your kid to be left out, so you make sure they have it too. I always just ask my kids, do you need that? Mm -hmm. is, you know, is, it, is it really something that's important to you? Like you, you need to figure out, like rank the things, right? Like mm -hmm. you've wanted five things in the last five months. Does this, were any of those really important? Are they important now? This might not be important next month. Yeah, that's a good question. A good kind of, but yeah. that's when you're in charge of it, though. Like you're, yeah. you're the one deciding whether <laughs> or not they need that, right? Yeah. And so then um, – that's good, good insight that you were kind of putting some boundaries on that. But sometimes as a lawnmower parent, you like, as soon as they ask, you make sure they have them because you don't want them to be left out. Right. And then the last one is um, you might be a lawnmower parent if you're constantly meeting with teachers. And so this wasn't formulated in like a IEP kind of way, like that your child is struggling and that they need to help. 
but it's more about like as soon as the, if your kid comes home and says, you know, my teacher shook their finger at me, and then like you're calling the teacher and go, what are you doing with my putting your finger in my kid's face? You know, like that kind of stuff. If you're constantly <laughs> in, like in, in uh, engaging in that way, like it's not to say, hey, what's going on? I need, I want to help my kid be the best they can be. Is there anything that I can help? It's more about like putting the teacher in their place, so mm-hmm. to speak, and saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing it this way? What's going on? And so. There are situations where constant contact with teachers are appropriate, but I think it's about your approach in that. Yeah. My heart goes out to all the teachers for, for some of the things that they have to. Oh, yeah. Kind of well, and so on often, a regular basis. Well, I have some teacher friends, and what I'm hearing is that they spend a lot of time, like, managing parents mm-hmm. and, like, administrative things and aren't even really getting an opportunity to teach very much because oh. they're having to deal with all the, uh, the auxiliary issues that come up. And so the teachers aren't getting to teach. <laughs> so. Um, and so p- something I talk about in, in my sessions is about the anxiety monster and that in order, you really have to push through in order to starve that monster for it to go away. And so if you give in to your anxiety, then your monster grows and that anxiety gets bigger and bigger. And so really the best thing you can do for your kid if they're dealing with school anxiety is to make them push through and like, and give them the skills, like teach them what they need to do to handle it. Like you can do this. I know you can handle it. You know, I'll be here as soon as school's out and I'll pick you up and like you're there and you're supportive, but you are strongly encouraging them to go through with with that because if not, that anxiety monster will take over. How do you help them see the other side of it? Well, I think you have, ooh, that's hard. I think you have to like let them have a life experience and be able to draw from that and go, do you see this last time you thought it was so scary and you did it and it was okay? You know, and then, um, and and it wasn't debilitating. And so these same situations are going to be true. And so then when you get on the other side of that, you celebrate that. You go, look, look what you were able to do. Like you thought going into this that you couldn't manage it, but you did it. And I'm proud of you for trying, you know. And so and the next time it's going to be easier and easier. And you just cheerlead like crazy. But yeah, you you have to pull from experiences. And then sometimes it may just be like you really have, you have to have an opportunity. Like you have to do this. So, and we'll see. At the end of this, if it doesn't go like we're expecting, then we can talk about it again. But you've got to try at least once. I think I've tried all of those different times with my kids. And and you're right. I asked the question because I really wasn't sure. But when you use those examples, I I think as a parent, you know, we do the encouragement, like you had mentioned earlier, really is is key to making sure that you're celebrating the moments, like encouraging them as they go through it and celebrating those moments. Again, positive, uh, you know, positive connotation to whatever they're going through at that point Mm -hmm. when they've made it through. Yes. And so then, um, so so on to teens. So I think that those things matter. And so I wanted to talk about that as kind of setting the stage for what we're doing with our teenagers. So when teenagers, in the same way that we um, deal with, oh, that, that in the same way that we, um, that with our little kids, that we're dealing with helping them to understand their feelings, I think it's important that we do that with our teenagers, that we spend time, like, helping them to identify how they feel. Um, even if they say, I don't want to talk about it, give them some space, but then come back and talk about it. Like, don't really let them not talk about it. Um, like, I had an instance just this weekend with one of them that um, they were having some a really extreme emotional reaction to something, and I said, listen... I'll give you your space right now, but we will be talking about this. <laughs> you know, I'm not, we're not going to not talk about this. And so even though she kept saying to me, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, well, we're going to talk about it, you know? Yeah. And so then like, we're going to have these conversations and then help them to kind of really put their finger on how they're feeling. And so, so what is it that you're feeling right now? And like help them process that. And so being present for that. I want to say, I feel like I need to interject here. Cause we talked last week about uh, disconnected 
people, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I know th- that we mainly focus on women and girls, and we're talking about you know about girls and mother muffins and all of that. But um, from a male perspective, um, I feel like this is a an area where like if you have boys, mm-hmm. and I know because my so- I like I think of my son in this circumstance. I didn't really identify that I was the female influencing and trying to ask about emotions and so forth. And my husband, I mean, he will say, I'm, you know, I'm not that guy. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about feelings. I don't really have those. Um, I feel like it needs to be said, like, as a dad uh, talking to a son, mm-hmm. these same things apply, right? Uh, like, yeah, definitely. Like, we need to be able to identify those emotions. If you're a dad and you can't, partner with the mom and say, look, I'm not good at this. Your mom's really good at this. She's going to work with us to figure out, you know, what these feelings are. Um, sometimes it takes, you know, a parent couple, like a, a yeah. two parents to yeah. kind of talk through that, especially if one doesn't have that skill set, right? Yeah. So even for women, if women are those disconnected, those disconnected people in the relationship, then, you know, find somebody who can help you work through this. If you can't really identify that or you can't, mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're competent or capable of um, walking through that, find somebody who can walk through that so that your kid get Yes. These, these feelings and identifying what they are so that they can manage them going forward. Yep. I completely agree with that. And so like um, it, it does, y- you can definitely talk to boys more than I can because I don't have boys. Like, like <laughs> our dog is a boy. That's it. Right. <laughs> Everything else is girls at our house. And so then, so I'm, I'm not as familiar on how to do that, but I think that that is important that, y- that y- yeah, men need the opportunity to identify their feelings and emotions too in the same way that so as a, a teenage boy, we need to do the same, and little boys too. So I'll yeah. you're absolutely right. I agree with that. Sorry, long-winded. No, I love it. Do it. <laughs> this is about. Uh, also, I- again, engage them even when they 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 don't want it. So like, um, uh, you know, there I saw somewhere that says dogs prepare you for parenting and cats prepare you for teenagers. Because <laughs> you know, <laughs> cats just come out of their room and, like they hiss and then they want to eat. You know, and they like swat at you. <laughs> and so so it's the same kind of thing. You know, with our with teenagers, like that's what they want to do. And so. They will send the message that they don't want you to bother them, that you like, don't bother me. Don't come in my room. Don't talk to me. Don't ask. But the reality is they want you to ask. Mm. And so it's really it's it's like this paradox. And so even though they're pushing you away, you need to be present. Like you need to make an appearance. You need to stick your head in their bedroom door and say, hey, how's it going? I just want to check on you. Even if they're mean to you about it, like just push through it anyway and just go, okay, just want to let you know I'm here. I'm just checking on you because I love you and, you know, move on and, but continue to do that because oftentimes what I hear is that, especially in counseling sessions that the teenager will say, well, my mom doesn't even check on me. But when you explore that, they've said, I don't want you to leave me alone. Don't talk to me. And so then the parent is going, well, you said leave you alone. So I am. And so then the parent thinks I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because they told me not to come around. But then when the kid is honest about their feelings, they're like, I really wanted you to be around. You know, I wanted you to poke in, poke your head and check on me. So even though they're telling you they don't, they do. It's a lie. It's a lie. So I will say there's, there's this, I, I called it the terrible teens. It was like from 13 to 15. When my kids were getting close to 16, I could start to see them being human again, like they were normal, mm-hmm. coming back into the reality world of reality and not having all of these emotions and this, and the things that um, kind of create stressors for parents. And so I noticed that by doing that, uh, by doing exactly what you were talking about, you know, consistently just saying, I'm just checking, I'm just checking, I just want to, I'm here if you need me, I'm here if you need me. By the time they started coming out of that and getting to like the 16, 17 year old, they were starting to have conversations with me again. And I was yeah. like, oh, thank the Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've passed this, but we've also, we've also made progress, right? right? We're not stuck in that 
you don't even care right, right so yeah that's beautiful that's good um when you're t- dealing with teenagers you need to call them forth to greatness meaning mm. like when you when you see them acting a certain way and you, it's not what you value or what you want them to be doing like let them know hey that's not who you are that's not your character like you know you're not a liar don't be lying you know you're not a thief don't be stealing you're not cruel to people don't be mean like that's not who you are and so I know that you you are this way and you talk about the traits that you see and I know that you're kind I know that you can see the best in people so this behavior that you're doing does not reflect who you are it needs to change and so like so instead of like tearing them down about how terrible it is and like you know I can't believe you did this this is so bad you're like no listen listen you need to get away from that that's not who you are and so then it, it makes it easier for them to step away from that poor behavior because they want to excel and meet your expectations. They want to live up to what you expect of them. And so then to say, hey, this isn't who you are. This is, this is, this is the trait that you're looking for. This is what you are. Well, and that kind of ties back to some of the friendship foundations that we've talked about in the past, right? Like I remember your story about Sarah and the praying for the, the waitress. Oh, and yeah. And so it's kind of the same thing. You have to remind them like, y- you know, in that circumstance, no, this, this is who you are. This is this is the progress that you've made. We know that you give examples of like other times where you've, you know, made the same kind of effort or, or done the right thing. And this is, this is what we're trying to aspire to. So, mm-hmm. yep, you're completely right. Children are going to make their own choices. Mm. Right. So like, um, I always say in for counseling, like I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make him drink. I can be the most amazing therapist and like and counselor and like impact and say like I can do all the right things say all the right things and like use my best skills they walk out this office door and they're going to do what they're going to do and so sadly a lot of that is true for kids too like yes we can be the most amazing parents but our children have free will they will decide to do what they're going to do (laughs) right and so I got some comfort um from someone when they said that Adam and Eve had the perfect parent which was God, and yet they still decided to do their own thing. And so mm. it's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, right, well, me and God are together. <laughs> We're hanging out. Because, because Walking arm in arm through this parent thing, and I'm just going to stick with him. <laughs> I'm relating to this a little bit, right? And so I think uh, to keep that in mind, like, you know, that um, even if you do everything right, at the end of the day, your kid's going to make the decision that they're going to make. And so you want them to make the right decisions, and you want to give them all the tools to do that. But, but they're going to do it, what they want to do. And so then, my last section is um, about technology and how it's affecting social skills. And so um, I I think this is communication issues that we have with our teenagers and kind of young kids, too. And so, like, the impact of using our phones so much in what we do. And uh, we miss out on communication, like verbal and and visual communication. And, um, like, when you're texting things all the time, like, you don't know how to have face-to-face conversations. So... One of the things you miss out on is eye contact. So eye contact is considered the strongest form of nonverbal communication. <laughs> and so like if you're giving someone eye contact, you're showing that you're paying attention and you're respecting them. Or if you're giving eye contact and it's intense, like you may be standing your ground and saying, I'm not backing off. Like this is where, you know. <laughs> and so you don't get eye contact when you're texting someone, right? So you don't know really <laughs> where they stand. Very true. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's suffering is uh, phone skills. Mm. Like Texting is left awkward and nervous, like left these people be awkward and nervous over the phone. And like they don't have the ability to articulate or explain anything with depth of thought and feeling. And it requires back and forth connection. So like they don't know how to interact like spur the moment and have any kind of depth of communication. Because like when you're on the phone, you have to do that. You have to think quickly on your feet. 
you answer the questions, you ask the questions that you can communicate the information. Well, if you're not verbally used to communicating with someone and you only know how to text, then you don't know how to do that. You also, um, with conversation, oh, you miss vo the nonverbal cues, like the vocal and the visual. So like if you're only texting, you don't hear the intonation. You don't hear the playfulness that's, you know, laughing. You don't see the body language or, or the responses to that. And so then you really miss out on that conversation, that back and forth, and you, you can't read those cues. You also miss out on spatial awareness. So like because of technology, people spend so much time on their phones that they miss what's going on around them. And that can be a dangerous thing. Yeah. You know, if you're on the side, if you're walking down the sidewalk and you're not, and your face is in your phone, like you could walk in the street and get hit by a car. Yep. Step in a pothole. Yeah. Or get <laughs> stolen in some way and not even know it. Also, our attention span has been impacted by that. <laughs> and so, so good social skills is knowing when to pay attention. Mm -hmm. So like what you should be giving your attention to. And our attention span has dropped from 12 seconds to eight seconds in the last decade. Which I thought 12 seconds felt really I was low. Say that, it all feels low. Really? Yeah, that's eight all we seconds, have I guess. Seconds? And so, like, I mean, that's what the article said that I was researching, <laughs> right? And so, like, that, that sounds really, really low. And so then some tips for that. So how do we um, kind of combat that? Because our, our culture is definitely tied to technology. Yeah. I mean, this very thing that we're doing is a podcast, and that's new, and it's because <laughs> of technology, right? And so it's not all a bad thing, no. but you need to find some balance with that. And so then one of the ways to do that would be to engage your kids in face-to-face -face conversations. Like now, sometimes my kids will text me from, uh, from their bedroom and I'll, you know, ask me to bring them a bottle of water or something, you know, or what's going on. And so sometimes you c it's okay to text, but you also need to be having face-to-face -face conversations. Like make sure that's not the only way that you're engaging with your kid is through text messages. Yeah, we're not going to fight over getting the laundry brought upstairs and put away in your room over text. We're going to have a conversation and you're going yeah. to take part in that activity. So. Right. Also, allow your kids to order their own food at restaurants. I like that one. I, I think really that's a like big that deal. Like, you'd be surprised at how many older kids, like, aren't comfortable doing that. And so, like, my kids will ask, they have asked before if they could not do it. I'm like, nope, you're going to tell the waitress what you're doing. <laughs> like, we're not backing off of that one. Like, this is an important thing to be able to answer. Do you want ketchup on it or not? Do you know, onions, yes or no? Like, they, they need to be able to engage those things. You'd be surprised at how many kids don't know what, how to do that. Listen, I know what my daughter's order is at most of the restaurants. <laughs> Jill, your daughter has to start ordering by herself. I know. I, I, she, I made her call the doctor the other day. Oh, it didn't good. go well. So she ended up hanging up and I had to call back, but it was fine. Okay. Well, it was a good start. We're making progress. Well, because that's the <laughs> next one is provide opportunities for verbal communication. <laughs> like give them tasks where they have to communicate verbally. And so like, yeah, if it's that, if it's calling the doctor and making an appointment or um, I was talking to a, a dad friend that was made his son call and schedule an appointment for his car to get the oil changed and like mm. to ask the questions. And so like getting practice at doing that. And so when we were growing up, like that was kind of a non-issue. You just did those things. But now like you have to be purposeful and say, yeah, you need to call and do this. You need to handle this, this, this issue, right? Don't wait on someone else to do it. Well, I used to, I remember when we were younger, I would say, okay, I can do that. How can I, how do I do that? Like, what do I have to do? Right? Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't a matter of, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do that. It was, okay, well, what do I, ha what do I do? Or yeah. you'd listen to someone else do it and you'd be like, okay, I can do that. Right. And so you may have been nervous, but you did it. Yeah. You're willing to pick up on those <laughs> yeah. things. And like kids these days aren't as willing to do that. They they're like, they just don't know what to do and they don't want to because it's anxiety provoking and they don't want to do it. Yeah. And so then the, then the last one is like to provide moments of non-technology. And so like that means that at your dinner table that you don't, um, that you like don't have 
phones at your table yep. or that you um, say for this evening, we're not going to do this. You know, you're going to put your phone in this box and we're going to all spend time and just hang out. But like making moments that have to be without technology. I love that. Okay. That's important. So here's, a, here's, I'm going to make a decision. Like we're all on, on the spot. We haven't even talked about this, but this one feels pretty long. Yes. So I think we need to call this like episode 13A. <laughs> and so like we'll stop this and end it. So if people need to take a break, they can. And then you and I will immediately go and, and do your part for 13B. Okay. So And we'll, we'll release them both on Thursday so they get both <laughs> options. But that way if they need to take a break. Get to take a, a bio break. Yeah. And then go, yep. And so they take, you can go potty. Come back for more because <laughs> there's a lot more to there go. Is, there is a lot. So, okay. So let's, we'll end this one. And so until next time, which for us will be in five minutes when we bust some biscuits.